Have you ever really noticed how much color and light is part of our language and culture? Passion is red. That came out of the blue. Someone might have a green thumb. Hearts light up. Eyes shine. An idea might be brilliant. And a person could be dim. Hope is the light in the darkness. Someone's beauty can be radiant. The guy at the party who told you that long, winding story about the history of aglets? Well, he was dull. And of course, all things fade with time. Well, not exactly. Over billions of years, nature has evolved countless ways of manipulating light and creating color that doesn't fade. This mechanism is called structural color, and it has illuminated our path to a deeper understanding of light and color. Hello, and welcome to the Intangible Insights Podcast, a podcast that focuses on the insights from the natural world that we interact with all the time, but rarely notice. Each episode will tell the story of how pioneers are taking a fresh, sometimes first, look at nature, the insight database in plain sight. In this episode, we'll meet Dr. Lucas Schertel, senior researcher with the Vignolini Group in the chemistry department at the University of Cambridge. In our conversation, Dr. Schertel explains how nature uses structural color to create a vast range of vibrant colors that effectively never fade. He also details why nature would want to manipulate light this way. Spoiler alert, there are more reasons than just color. I'd like to start by introducing Dr. Lucas Schertel, our guest for this episode. I'm Lucas Schertel, so I'm a senior researcher in the Vignolini Group at the Chemistry Department in the University of Cambridge. And I'm working in this research lab for over two years now on this topic of uh, structural color and uh, optical materials. The lab he works in explores the vibrant and varied ways natural systems harness and manipulate light. As soon as you're done with this episode, you have to check out the lab website to see some of the most spectacular images of structural color in nature. The link will be in the show notes. Before we get too far, it's important we describe structural color and how it differs from the color that is generated using dyes or pigments. In normal color creation, like when you, you have a dye or a pigment and you have an absorption effect, and so basically your broadband spectra is, uh, that comes from the sun is basically then uh, partly absorbed and some part gets reflected or scattered. And then this creates in our eyes some color sensing. It can be difficult to explain this difference without visual aids, so I'm going to try to use my kitchen sink. Imagine running water from the faucet and trying to impede the flow to the drain. I could use a sponge which would soak up the water until it was saturated. Alternatively, I could use something to reflect the water, like a plastic lid. The plastic doesn't absorb the water, rather it deflects the water in another direction. In this example, the water is light, the sponge is a dye or pigment, and the plastic lid is structural color systems. Dyes and pigments absorb some wavelengths of light, while other wavelengths cause the dye or pigment to emit specific colors. This absorption, like the sponge absorbing water, means the material is absorbing light energy, which is often converted to heat and causes the pigment or dye to break down over time. This is what we call fading. In structural color, 
This is done by basically a selection wire scattering on certain like nanostructured materials. Structural color, though, doesn't absorb and radiate. Rather, it's like the plastic lid in our example. It reflects or scatters the incoming light and thus doesn't have to deal with energy absorption and fading problem. But wait, you ask, because of course you're brilliant. If all the light is reflected or scattered, shouldn't we just get the same white light back? We should, except that light isn't just white light. It's made up of all of the colors of the rainbow, plus some we can't even see. These colors correspond to specific wavelengths. To finish this introduction to structural color, let's go from the kitchen sink to the backyard trampoline. Think of wavelengths as the indentation caused on the trampoline when someone's bouncing. There are valleys when the person lands and peaks around that. Now put a second person on the trampoline. If they bounce at the same time, they get a deep indentation and cancel each other out. If they alternate jumping, they end up bouncing off of each other's peaks. These peaks and valleys are like the wavelengths of light. And like bouncing on a trampoline, if a peak and a valley of light overlap, they will cancel each other out. This is called destructive interference. If they offset, they will add to the overall impact and we see more vibrant colors. This is called constructive interference. Pulling this together, structural color works by reflecting light and using the properties of wavelengths to enhance certain colors while canceling others out. We can see this effect in so many places if we stop and look. Peacock feathers, a host of beetles and other arthropods have iridescent shine to them. We don't even have to find exotic animals though. Pigeons and ravens employ structural color. Some common plants use structural colors in flowers and berries. Believe it or not, even some bacteria get in on the show. One specific system that we researched on in Cambridge, which are like structural colored bacterial colonies, because this is something you don't immediately think about. Bacteria are like a soft, soft, small organism on the nanoscale. But then there, there, there are some bacteria that manage to organize in a, in a huge structure that then shows the color just by the organization. And I think that's really cool because there are a lot of biological questions coming up of how they do it, why they do it, what for, and so on. This is something uh, that, yeah, I've spent a bit time on over the last couple of years, and I still enjoy um, seeing and thinking about this organism. This explains what structural color is and how it differs from pigments and dyes, but how does nature pull off this radiant light show? Why, through order and disorder, of course. What is very often used to, to have a strong selection process is that you have a really ordered system, like a photonic crystal, they call it. So if you have a crystalline system, the easiest you can think of is the multi-layer structure, how far from each other these multi-layers are placed basically allows you to uh, understand which wavelengths can go through and which are actually reflected back. And this is the, the basic mechanism behind it. But then when you look into natural systems, and let me just pick one example from birds, you can see that there are all kinds of varieties of structures and leading to different optical appearances. So you can have really fully crystalline ordered systems that 
then normally create um, a really bright colors, but they these colors are angle dependent. So that means when you look from a different angle on the structure, you will probably see a different color. As Dr. Shirtle notes, nature uses precisely aligned and ordered structures to create vibrant, almost metallic iridescent colors. These lose their shine when viewed at different angles though. For more predictable, constant color, nature employs a favorite tool, organized disorder. Where you don't have such an ordered structure, but rather a really disordered structure, still nature finds a way or optimize structures in a way that they can make colors, which is really fascinating. But these colors, because the, the structure itself is isotropic, also leads to an angle independent appearance. So it, it really then reassembles what we artificially, for example, make with dyes. This is not very obvious because if you would have a completely disordered structure, normally what would happen is that you actually don't see a color, but you see whiteness. The easiest example to think of are clouds. Like clouds are white because they're tiny water particles and they kind of scatter or randomize the direction of the light, and then it appears really white. But if you have some kind of local order, but on the long term, it's really disordered, there is like, there's a way of making a color angle independent, but still with a strong color appearance. Using these ordered and disordered systems and fine tuning through evolution has led to a dizzying array of color in nature. When you look at diversity of uh, systems and, and structures out there, then it, it feels like, uh, like endless. So, so you, you have like a huge variety. And I think there is still a lot to explore because not only understanding the whole spectrum from order to disorder, but also nature plays around with combining these kind of scattering effects with absorption effects and how this interacts there are, there are a lot of open questions. While color catches our eye, Dr. Schertel points out that structural color is only one aspect of a larger category of light transport. And so the real question is why? Why does nature need to transport and manipulate light? Context is the key to answering this question. Environmental conditions can change strongly, like when you're from day to night and in the sea, like depending on which heights or so the corals grow or in which kind of uh, part of the world a plant is uh, grown. So the things that we see in plants is also a huge variety of structures to, to optimize these kinds of effects. Dr. Schert will give an example of one of the structures that we see in plants. Some leaves, they grow interesting nanostructures on top of the leaf because they use it for photoprotection. Some of them have some wet structures that can, for example, backscatter light. And of course, light plays a critical role in the process that makes most of the life on this planet possible, photosynthesis. In a plant or in a, some marine organisms, you have some photosynthesis going on and you want to have a very efficient light absorption. So you want to make sure this organism wants to make sure that the light is actually distributed in a way that all the photosynthetic cells get equal amount of illumination, right? And so, so it designs structures to kind of rather spatially distribute the light in clever ways. We're coming back to this kind of disordered structures because 
there can be quite some efficient or optimized scheduling structures that are maybe not always the strongest scheduling or the most directional scheduling, but they are optimized in a way to really make sure that the distribution of light is optimized. We will close out part one of the nature of color here. In part two, Dr. Schertel will discuss the diverse teams exploring structural color in nature and how insights from structural color are driving innovation. I encourage you all to check out the Bioinspired Photonics Group at Cambridge. The link is in the show notes. Also, please check out their YouTube channel, also linked in the show notes. You can also catch Dr. Schertel on Twitter at Schertel Lucas, that's at S-C-H-E-R-T-E-L-L-U-K-A-S. And as always, for more information on structural color and other explorations of biomimicry, please visit the Intangible Insights website at intangibleinsights.net. And finally, our music comes from the American Dream soundtrack by Mont Plisser.